Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring Kane Gang. I'm hurt, dog. Don't ask me if I'm all right. Hell no. Joaquin said dominate, and we not doing it. I put my heart in this dog. Let's go, man. Let's go. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Kane Gang. You're listening to Kane Gang, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Orange and green, that's Kane Gang. You ready to storm 18? That's Kane Gang. Kane Gang. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. As always, it's your boy DC. You got to keep my name correct. I can't change it from time to time because I get in trouble. And on the flip is my boy Dirty Bird. Dirty Bird, what's good? What's good? What's happening, Cole? How you feeling today, man? Man, I'm good, man. It's another episode to get on the show, be able to talk some, you know, Canes football. Um, obviously, there's a lot going on. You know, they had their first uh, little scrimmage the other night, and uh, a lot of things happening. But, you know, first and foremost, hopping on the show, man, I got a special guest. There's probably a lot of debate on, on this, what I'm going to say, but the best to wear number five. A lot mm. of people think of Edron James, Andre Johnson. But I'm going to start – even Kevin Williams, right? But I'm going to start it off with, I think, who really, truly transcended at number five. Let's bring on to the show my man, Melvin Bratton. Yo, MB, what's good? What's going on, fellas? I see you, Deco, and Dirty Bird, what's happening? What's up, baby? <laughs> yeah, you already know, man. We, we ready, man. So, 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 Mel, again, everybody talks about that number five, and everybody thinks of Edge. But, like, man, if you go back in time, man, the person who started off that number five was you, man. Like, you, you started that number five. Let me give you a total insight on this, how crazy this is. So I was uh, in high school at Miami Northwestern. We, you know, we produce a whole lot of guys out of there. And at Northwestern, um, I got there as a, a freshman, going my freshman year, and then I was going to my sophomore year. And so Roger Coffey, the head coach, uh, came to me, God bless the dead. Remember this guy named George Buster Rhymes, the Ooh. running back out of Oklahoma. And that's where the rapper Buster Rhymes got his name from, actually. So really, I'll put y'all on game, yeah, because he he changed it. He saw Buster Buster, B U S T E R. He saw him versus Oklahoma game, and they said Buster Rhymes on a ca- on on a carry. So Buster took it, said B U S T A Bust A Rhyme, and that's where he got the name from. What? If you read up on it, yeah. So anyway, George Buster Rhymes was at my high school. He's a senior and one of the top prominent running back, big back, six four. I mean, he was a beast. They he wore number four. So Coach Coffee came to me and say, uh, we want you to wear Buster Buster's uh, uh number four. You're the next four. I said, Man, bull crap. I said, hell, the hell with him. I said, dog, I said, what's your next number you got? He said, five. I said, I'm gonna make five, I'll make five famous. And the coach looked at me like this is an arrogant little, little jerk right here, right? Coming out of high school. But that's how I got number five. And then I ran into Jerome Bettis one time in Atlanta, going to a bowl game, and uh, he stopped through Atlanta. I can't tell you where we were, what club we was at, a strip club. But anyway, uh, Madison Mad- Mad- City. There you go. <laughs> Dirty Bird, you know what it is, dog. I know, I know. I've been there, man. Yeah, we was in, we was in, we was in the city, and and uh, I noticed him. And look, and he saw me. He said, man, you the big back. You the running back. Mel Brad. I'm like, yeah. I said, you number six. He said, man, I wore the single digit because of you. They wouldn't give me number five because I think Todd Light or somebody had it. But he said, I wanted five, so I took number six. So EJ... Uh, uh, Kato and, and Dre, I love y'all, but they'll be for five on the map, Joe. Oh, you already know. You already know. <laughs> so, 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 Mel, let me ask you this. Obviously, Planet Northwestern, Dade County football is, is night and day throughout the country. Like, I don't care what anybody says. When I hear this kid's the number one player in the Midwest, I'm like, listen, man, until you play in Dade County ball or Broward County or Palm Beach ball, it doesn't mean anything. 
Tell me what it's like to play in Dade County. Listen, I was a scout. Dirty Bird, don't remember me. I was up there in the 90s with Dan Reeves. So he hired me as a, as a rookie scout. So I had to move to Seattle. I, he, Dan said, I have a spot for you, but you got to go out west, in the northwest, like that. I, we have an area. I called Cortez Kennedy, God bless the dead. And so I moved in with Tez on the west coast. So, bro, I'm traveling through, like, Montana. The only black dude in, I mean, man, dude, I'm talking about, I'm in Bozeman. I'm in uh, Billings, Montana. I'm in Pullman, Washington, Washington State. I'm down to Stanford, Cal. So I went on, a, on like, two weeks. I didn't see any players because I'm so spoiled. Our second and third team guys will be stars in the Pac-12. Back then it was Pac-10. So I'm going. I saw one kid at Nevada. I gave him a top five pick, and he wasn't a top five, but I was so excited to see talent because I had a, I, I was so judgmental that these guys that's now being drafted in that area, they couldn't even be on our third team. So that's what my mindset. So Reed Johnson, Dirty, you know, uh, that, that was my man. Yeah. Reed, Reed said, Mel B., you cannot reject. I rejected everybody, dog. When I say everybody, <laughs> <laughs> my, my check, my checkpoint was like, no, no, no. He can't play dead in the western. No, 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 oh. dog. I was hard, and so I had to learn those guys are going to play somewhere. But to go back to it, you know, it's crazy because I'm in Georgia now, in Atlanta, and I have a 13 uh, year old son. He played AAU basketball, and he wants to play, uh, you know, quarterback and come in. I said, man. You light-skinned, dog. You, you soft, man. You're going to get hit in the mouth. You may quit in the fourth quarter. I don't trust you. <laughs> so he gets so pissed at me like that. But he's a dog in basketball. But it's so – our mindset is so different. And that's why if you look around the league, they're constantly taking kids from Florida and the South Florida area because our mindset, we think different. We, 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 we don't – we feel like we belong. We feel like we would never lose anybody. I don't give a – right now, I'm a sports agent. We have a bottle of water company, King Water. Shout out to King. Hey, hold on. I got, I got to get my, my plug in here now so y'all got me on the Get it in, man. Get yeah, it King, in. King Water, baby. Hydration. My partner, Fahim Ali. But now, real talk, Fahim is a former – he's from Miami. He went to Louisiana Tech, you know, and, and and he also played at Eastern Michigan. And his son, Josh Ali, is at Kentucky right now. Our mindset in the water business as a sports agent, I don't give a rat's behind on who agent was what. It's just our mindset in the water that we feel like we are so competitive to the point that we, we can't lose. I don't care what it is. It could be hopscotch. It could be jump rope, whatever it is. I'm the best. That's crazy, man. And, you know, and again, you follow that up with what's going on in today. And, and you look around, obviously, Dade County, you know, obviously the West, Central, Carroll City, Booker T, South, you know, South Dade, South Ridge. You know, you go up into Broward, St. Thomas, Cardinal Gibbons, American Heritage. Like, those are national forces on a year-to-year basis. And that's where I'm saying, like, you played in the Mecca. Like, you played in what it was like to be in those, like, pure competition games where it was talent on talent. And that transcended as far as from high school now going into college, you know. And obviously, one thing I do want to talk about is obviously your relationship with, you know, now, you know, rest of soul, you know, Howard Schnellenberger. What was it like being recruited by the quote-unquote, like, as you put it, the dawn? Listen, he, he came into my household, and I, I've said it on, on a post on Facebook about, you know, saying this this big beard guy come in with this cherry-filled pipe. And I, and I had everybody come in. Jerry Faust came in. That was the worst. He cried for, like, almost two hours in there about this uh, touchdown Jesus Notre Dame crowd. I'm like, man, get your <laughs> ass out my house, bro. And it's like it was like, bro, come on. I mean, everybody came in. Jackie Sherrill came in, private planes flying in. It was crazy. But Snelly came in with a suit on, and he I, he per- he said it later on. He purposely left his pipe. 
I took that cherry pipe to the to school, bro, the next day. And I'm I'm around here walking around the pipe. They're like, man, what you what you doing with the pipe, man? I was like, yo, this is how Snellenberg. They're like, step the coach. I was like, yeah, he left at the crib. So I'm letting all the boys checking it out. Had I known what I know now, bro, I'd have saved that pipe right now. It'd be worth like like uh A Rod baseball card or somebody bro, like that. One hundred percent. Priceless yeah. though. Priceless. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Doesn't matter what it's worth. I'm putting it up in the in the in a glass the case on the wall, man. Yeah, exactly. you know, on the mantle. But you know what? He he didn't sugarcoat it with us. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, like I said, I went to Ohio State. I went to Michigan. I went to Pitt, Texas A&M. Flew a private plane in to pick me up to go to Texas A&M. I was supposed to go to Southern Cal my last trip, but I was tired of flying. So I said, let me just go down to the U. I kind of – me and Alonzo Hotsmith was on the phone uh, like one night, and then he was being recruited by everybody. So he was the number one player in the state. I think I was number three. I was pissed about that but because uh, he sucked. Yeah, he, he didn't deserve to be number one. Um, yeah, so he's a buster, man. He's a straight buster, dude. But he, he's, a, he's a dog at Columbus, though. Him and Mike Shuler, they was, they was players. But so we was on the phone going back and forth. I said, what you think? He said, what you think? I said, what you think? What you think? We going back and forth. When we met in high school, I said, you know what, huh? I think, man, man, screw this, man. Let's stay home and change this program. Let's just make this a national powerhouse. And we didn't realize what the hell we were saying at the time. You know what I'm saying? We just, you know, we, we spoke it into existence. And he said, you know what, Mel B? I was thinking the same thing. I said, are you serious? He said, yeah. I said, let's screw all these other colleges, Big Ten. I remember Bo Simbucker came to my house. He was so crazy. He's ADD, ADHD, man. He was rolling his tie up, and he would let it drop. And he started saying, ha, ha, ha. He was just laughing, looking at the tie. Fall down. I'm looking like, dude, are you something wrong? You need some water or something? What's, you need some keen water, bro? What's some <laughs> you need some keen, man. So I was like, I said, man, Bo, but I like Bo Simbucker. It, it had got down to Michigan and Miami. And I went up there on a recruiting trip, bro, and I had on the Miami Vice cheap, thin jacket. I had on church shoes and thin church socks, and I was sliding all over that place. And it was freezing. It had a storm. I told him, I said, look, I'm from the crib. I'm from the city. Y'all, any meetings, any, I ain't going out this hotel room. Y'all come here. And that's what turned me. And Jim Mandich was so upset with me because, you know, he's on the air down in Miami. Jim ripped me, called me all kind of pieces. I can't say what on what he did, but he he was so so upset. He thought I was going. I wish I was, but I went the wrong weekend, and that's what made me come home and say, you know what? I'm staying in South Florida. We're gonna turn this to a dynasty. You know what's great is, man. You talk about that dynasty, and, and people just don't know exactly what you guys created. I mean, you guys established something moving forward. Everybody remembers that. 86 lost in the Fiesta Bowl, right? Uh, again, those games happen, right? It's it's one of those things. But And you played – again, so I'm an old-school guy. I remember some of the old-school cats. And it's different today than it was back then. But you played with probably some of the greatest players that ever come to the University of Miami. You talk about Alonzo. You talk about Mike. You talk about Dan Stubbs, Winston Moss, uh, Jerome Brown. I mean, you know, Benny Blades, George Meyer, Bernard Clark, you know, again, Warren Williams, you know, like there's so many people that came through that university at the time that you were there that literally like like you were talking about earlier about these high school kids and be playing and being superstars like these guys could have went anywhere as well and been superstars at any other program. What is it like to have like you were talking earlier about the group chat with all the people in there? What is it like even now? knowing that all those guys that you play with are like your brothers. And what did it mean back then to play with those guys? You know, the thing is how we knew we were special. I think that that rookie, that freshman class came in and Howard took us through three days. We've never experienced nothing like this in the life. Everybody thought this man was crazy. We like, dude, why are you having us up at six in the morning? We went three days. We had, we was up at six. We didn't eat. We had, we had, we was on the field at six. We ran gases, everything else. We had to go, 
change, whatever like that. And we changed uh, our, our shorts, and then we went to practice at 8. And we had, like, a quick meal, like breakfast, like wasn't really breakfast. We was on the field at 8, and then we went to lunch and came back at 3. It was the craziest thing. So we had one night out off, and we went across the street from um, the U right there. There's a movie theater right across the street from there. And all of us, white, black, George Meyer, I mean, Greg Ricosi, all of us, we, we didn't drive a car. Nobody drove. We walked right across where the Burger King. We walked together. We went to see this movie called Cujo. And so I don't know if y'all was too. I don't know if y'all. The big old dog. Yeah, the dog, right, the dog. So all of us, went to, we went to the movie to see Cujo. And we all was in there. Jerome Brown, God bless you. All of us sitting there. Danny Stubbs, everybody. So we sit in there. And this, and we were making jokes loud in there. Some dude was in his girlfriend. And his, it's like they was on a double date. And one of the dudes say, yo, y'all need to shut the F up in songs or so. Dude, why did that dude and his girlfriend say that? The whole team stood up right then, and we, the movie's going on. The dog snatching people's heads off and everything else. We about to snatch this dude's head off in there. And when we saw the white guys, the black guys, and everybody, we came together. And that one situation right there, it brought a unity that that we are stick together. We go, we are, we fight each other all day. Oh, we go at each other and practice, yeah. and we spit on each other. We, I'm talking, about we try to pull each other's eyes out. But when we hit the community, nobody could touch us. I don't give a dang, whatever it is. We saw something going on with one of the players, and we we jumped in, and one of the guys that was pushing around, one of the kickers, I think it was uh, Greg Cox or somebody later on, we jumped in and wanted to kill the dude. So our deal was we knew right there that bond, it was special. We walked together, we we ate together, and we walked back to the campus. And right then, we didn't see color. You know what I'm saying? I know there's a lot going on in the world right now as far as different yeah. stuff, but then – we made racist jokes to each other. We made we can do that, you know what I'm saying, like that. Even when we get together now, we still stupid, but we gotta be very careful now because so much is, is sensitive. Yeah. But we just was brothers and we still are today. Ed Davis, all those guys, Bernie Kozar, Tested Bertie, we cracked Joe Steve Staffier on that on that call. We got a we got a you know a Kane's line, you know what I'm saying? And it's like a hundred some guys from the young to old. And I'm the old head. They call me and Alonzo the old head on the, on the line. <laughs> Ryan Collins is a, is a jokester, and they killing me. Steve McGuire, old head, just shut up. Be quiet. Go to bed. I mean, they killing me on this, on this deal. But you know what, though? When I see those guys out, they pay it for it. They buy me uh, – I used to drink. I stopped drinking. But they will buy me a drink. I, I had Kenny Holmes, Kennard Lane. They was at a restaurant not too long ago. Me and Tarver Bain and Alonzo was in a restaurant. Do you know those guys picked that tab up? They would not let us spend no money, man. They picked wow. the whole entire tab up. Respect. Yeah, it is. And that, that's love. We got respect across, across, across the nation. That's awesome. Man, that's awesome, man. Um, who's one of your closest, besides Alonzo? And we're going to go to break in about a minute and a half, so I just want to touch on this. Besides Alonzo, who are you most closest with still to this day? Uh, Tauber Bain. Uh, me and Bain came in together. He got the last scholarship. From you know high school, he came in. He was he wasn't a highly recruited guy, but this son of a gun, he got on the field before me, bro. I was pissed. I'm like, dude, you came the last scholarship, and here you are. He had all the starts. He was had the record for years. I think some uh, the lineman, one of them broke it. But this dude here was like nobody recruited him, whatever. But he just a hard nosed guy. Ended up starting at cornerback. And Tarver Bain, right now, we we argue, we still fight today. That's my brother from another mother. And and that's crazy, man, because. That brotherhood, there's nothing like that bond, right? And again, like you probably like like me, I have siblings, but I have friends that go to the games with me that are closer to me than my actual siblings. 
you know, whether it's like-mindedness or just that passion that, you know, we all share for that orange and green, it just means something different, man. You know? So, man, that's crazy, man. Tolbert, and he has that deep old voice too. Yo, man, what's up? Hey, what's, what's going up? on? What's up, dog? Man, y'all, boy, y'all tripping, dog, man. Get your ass in line. Come on, dog. We got to win this game. Yeah, he is funny. He is funny. You know, I saw him at a Hall of Fame banquet over, um, you know, Miami does University of Miami uh, Hall of Fame banquets, and I saw him over there. And then, obviously, you know, I first saw him on that uh, on the 30 for 30. But, man, that voice just resonates, man. And that's that's just one thing that always sticks out about Tolbert is that voice, man. You'll never forget that voice. Yeah, he is. He is a funny dude. But he's a diehard. Right now, today, Northwestern football and Hurricane football, he's at practice. He, he gave me the update on everybody, everything. He's a, he's a diehard, diehard. Wow. That's crazy. So we're going to do this. We're going to hop to break real quick. We'll be right back with number five, the original number five, Mel, Mel B. Give us a quick moment. We'll be right back here on the Kang Gang Show. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It doesn't, you I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo. Tongo Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo. Tongo Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information like your social security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva, la potra, la caballota, la reina y mi cuy. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. back everybody thank you for uh taking the time we have to allow our sponsors time to uh you know pop in 
Obviously, we have sponsors here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. We got Keen Water over there. So we're, we're always just doing something. So <laughs> and we have to throw a little plug in for the, for the Keen Water. Hey, man, one time, one time for the Keen Water boys, man. Me and Fahim Ali, we doing Oh, things. wow. We're so, doing it. We're doing it. So obviously, we're talking about that 86 Fiesta Bowl. And then we're moving into the 87 season. The 87 season was just a remarkable season. There was that uh, quote that I, I read online about the press on, right? So, you know, you're pressing on in 87. And that season's going phenomenal. But I'm going to go right into that championship game against Oklahoma. Talk to me about that game. Well, first of all, talk to me a little bit about the season because there's one game in particular that really stands out to me, and that was that FSU game up in Tallahassee. Um, obviously, they went up a little bit. And, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, it was that 49-yard touchdown that, that was thrown to you that kind of sparked that, that comeback. Talk to me about that 87 FSU game and what that means to you. Well, we was down at 20, 20, 27-6, I think it was, at halftime. <clears throat> and they had to strike that year. So, like, Jerome Brown had got drafted. We had three in the top ten. Remember, Tessaverde went one, Hosman went three, and Jerome went nine to Philly. So, we had three in the top ten. So, they were holding out because they had that, that strike. So, those gerbils was there at the game in the locker room. So, you know, we, they, they, they talked, whatever, like that before. gave us a little pep speak. We came back and had halftime. They, Jimmy couldn't even speak. Them dudes took over the whole entire halftime and said, you SOBs, y'all playing like bees. And I, bro, when I tell you, we looked and we felt like we let our big brother down. That's what ignited us. And a lot of people don't know that. Mm. This is the first time anybody hearing this story. Those three, Winston Moss, Jerome Brown, and Highsmith was there. And they ripped us a new one and told us we soft. Y'all, y'all representing us wrong. I mean, whatever, take that off. And you ain't going to go back out there and, and, and turn this around. I came, I popped that little uh, that little scene route where Steve hit me, and I took Dion deep. Dion always talked about that play. Man, we still talk today. And that changed that whole entire game. Right. The momentum. And we just need that shift. And Mike went deep you know, on prime uh, a couple of times on the sideline and went down the deal. And we just came back and won it because – we had to look at the side. We had these two, these three crazy dudes over there, and they were MFing us, and they, I mean, they wanted to kill us. So we, it's really the brotherhood. They had just left us on the sideline recently, a year ago, and now we, we, we're playing like this. So that's what turned our whole mindset around, those three guys at halftime. You know what's funny is if you look at the 83 championship game, you know, with Kenny Calhoun knocking away the two-point conversion, right? Yes. A lot of people don't give my boy credit. I'm a huge, huge fan of number 48, Bubba McDowell. Like, man, like, people do not remember what Bubble used to do. Beast, man. Beast. The most quiet, humblest guy in the world. He the type of guy you want to date, him to date your sister because he don't raise his voice. He's just like, he the only one. The rest of them slappies, I never know. No, at all. But <laughs> never. Bubba, never, ever, ever, ever. But no, Bubba, man, Bubba was real quiet. My, I mean, he was the best athlete. I mean, Merritt Island kid came in very humble. And he had a nick for blocking those field goals and getting – I mean, he, he saved some games, man, and tipping the ball. So, yeah, you're right, bro. That's that's a hell of a player. Yeah, nobody ever remembers some of them, them, them cats that just kind of stated themselves. Everybody looks for the five stars and, you know, this and that, man. To me, I look for whoever puts that you on the side of the helmet, and I'm representing. But, again, it's crazy how that two-point conversion, you know, he knocks that down and you guys seal that win. The 88 National Championship game, you know, against Oklahoma, obviously, you know, I mean, you're the heart and soul of that team. Like, you know, you're you're M, you know, you're L, Mel B. You're you're over there just doing your thing. You got some other running backs in there. Obviously, you got hurt that game. And you know, how did that affect you mentally? Obviously, you still won a national championship, but how did that affect you? Because obviously, going in 
to the draft. You drafted by the Dolphins, you know, in 88. You didn't decide to re-enter the draft later on. But talk to me about that injury and what that, you know, how that affected you. You know, uh, it's funny because before pregame, you know, speech and 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 all the guys talk about this. Uh, Kevin Harris did it on the U documentary. He, he said on the third, on the U. And I said this. I stood up before the game. We had a certain guys. I was the last one to always speak that year. And Steve Walsh would speak. Uh, Benny would speak. Then I always closed. I stood up and I said to everybody in that room, I said, listen, I don't care if you have to give up an a arm, a leg, a toe, whatever it is. I'm going to give it all and leave everything on that field. Whatever it takes to win this game, I'm going to do it. And I hope you all feel the same way. And that's what I said. And I, 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 I'll say it again. Everything that I said and I backed it up, I got hurt. It cost me millions, you know, saying the whole deal in my career. The people wanted to wonder, like, what would he have done the next level? You know, Mike Irvin had a show up in Atlanta one time. He said, the best player I've ever played with, they said, who? They asked him. He said, y'all, don't, y'all didn't get a chance to see him was Melvin Bratton. So my sister and my family would call me, man, Mike Irvin said you whatever. I said, tell that snap I am the best player you ever played with, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so we always tease each other. And Ray Lewis, I'd say when Ray with somebody, somebody said, uh, i say, tell him you were the best player in the University of Miami history. It's a running joke that me, Mike, and Ray always say. I tell them they like it got to be Mel B because <laughs> I talk so much noise. But that game, you know what? I, I felt that, you know, it, it, it ended, you know, saying rough for me as far as that. But the city, it needed that because the, the, the blackout we took to go to Penn State, you know, saying we losing a Fiesta Bowl, that hurt. I mean, dude, I mean, I didn't watch that game probably until like the couple, last couple of years. I just really recently started watching it, you know, like that. So that game hurt. That was Everybody says the 2002 team is the greatest team ever in UM history. It's a, it's a big debate about that team that lost in them. You know, it could be a good one, but I think we'll punch them in the mouth. You know what I'm saying? We'll 100%. Really yeah, we'll and I've already, said that, I've already said that on this show, that 86 team, hands down. And, again, they're only saying that because they won the, nat- the Natty, right? Right, right. 86-team? We would have – listen, I love those guys. They're friends, and I love them. We would have punched them straight in their mouth. They, they would have quit in the fourth quarter on us because we know <laughs> – like that because we just got that extra dog in us but that game man when i laid on that ground i sat down and say lord because i had honestly i started negotiations uh with tampa before the game this gonna take me to four pick of the game and i mean and four pick after that game and that's why i went on you know good morning america I had on a suit always got to be extra i had the student tie and brian gum was like well what are you doing you got a game i said look this is my business right now this is the next step is my business i'm gonna be a businessman going into the NFL. So I had all this planned out. But you know what? It taught me something now. Me being a sports agent also, I have my own company, NB5 Sports, and, and I'm NBA certified and NFL certified. I'm about to get my first NBA player to watch real soon and on social media in the next week. And what happened was I, I when I sat there and I'm sitting there like, man, I, was, I had tears. But it taught me something. Never turn your back. Everybody left me, bro. I mean, all the agents, everybody was kissing my behind, telling me how great I was, and everybody was at me. I was left in a dark place, me and my mom, period. Nobody, the phone wasn't ringing, nothing. But I vowed when I got it, became an agent. I don't care if you're the first player chosen or the, or the last player chosen or a free agent. I'm going to treat you the same because I was in that empty space. I was up top here, and when I fell, nobody was around, bro, nobody but my mom and my family. So... It vowed me now as a businessman. I don't look at nobody. I don't judge. That's why when you guys hit me up, you know what I'm saying? I, you know, I, I remember, you know saying, Dirty Bird, but I probably in passing. But you never just, that's why I've been blessed, man. I do certain things. Like, you guys calling me, you know what I'm saying, want to do this here. I jumped on, like, yo, let's get it done. 
because y'all are blessing, man. I appreciate y'all being Kane fans. And this is what it's about, is you all wearing those hats, the green and orange, and that's why I got love for the you and the fans. And I just got on social media. My old ass has got on social media after <laughs> 56 years. And I got on, and the first button I hit was the Kane's group or whatever. I'm going to make a real funny story. So one of these groups, when they click in, they ask me all these questions about Correct. Approval. Are you approval. I was like, bro, turn on the TV, watch 30 for 30. This is who it is. I, I got mad that this lady came back and asked me, like, can you give me more information? I was like, are you freaking serious? I mean, what kind of man? I got pissed. I just went off that site. So whoever the be, y'all, y'all, y'all took. They took me through it, bro. They took the me fa- through it. Hey, the Facebook groups are toxic anyway, man. They're, they're toxic, it's, man. A, it's a dark place, man. That's why I stay on Twitter. <laughs> so, but Mel, I, go ahead. what's the difference between when you played the game compared to today's game? But it's, it was barbaric back then. And I was telling somebody the other day, I was upset. I was kind of bitter, like, dang, what if I could have played five or ten and whatever? I was, I was really – after I got cut, you know what I'm saying, at Atlanta, actually, Dan Reed, not Dan Reeves, uh, uh, um, Jerry Glanville, he, you know, he's, he cut me, uh, and I was like, I was in a dark place. I was like, man, I won't watch TV uh, football for that, that, that year. And it just, just the, the whole mindset just kind of changed as far as that. So I just think that us as players, you know what I'm saying, just our camaraderie, just being around that whole deal, it just kind of, th- these guys right now, we play so hard, and the concussion things right now with the CTE is very, very serious. And I see, some, like, the guy just happened in South Carolina, you know what I'm saying, with, with the massive kill, killings. And it just it, – it's, it's a big problem. We yeah. played the game so hard, and I was bitter for years, but then now I'm thankful because the way I play the game, I'm trying to drop my helmet. I'm trying to run you over. I'm trying to punish you as a, line, as a running back. I had a linebacker mindset. So imagine me having all that banging and bruising. It could be me, you know, saying as far as the CTE deal. And I pray all the guys who play the game, you know, saying real strong that nothing happens to them. But it's a, it's a lot going on with that. Yeah. You know, Mel, with, with your career too, man, you know, the thing that always stood back to me is that you were one of the first real pass catching running backs too, man. You know, that was that's that's something that really stands out about, about your career to me, man. You know, like the, the game in uh, in 86 where you ran for, uh, for 107 yards and three touchdowns, man. You know, I'm seeing clips of that, man. And I mean, you were ghosting them guys, man. They could like the whole team's trying to catch him running down the field, man, and <laughs> nobody could get him, man. <laughs> well, you know what? You you just said my my college my high school nickname is Ghost. So oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's what you said. I thought you knew about that. So you gotta do your homework, no, no, no. bro. I'm gonna fire you, man, on this show. <laughs> hey, Deco, I'm coming up next, man. We're gonna send Dirty Bird back. That, that's line. why he's the co-host. <laughs> No, no, but the real talk, man. That 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 whole mindset, yeah. We 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 just have fun, man. Like I said, if you guys could be flies on the wall and go and, and when we party, we party. I mean, we would go. We were like when the plane landed, man, we touched down, we went in droves, droves. Pat Carter just posted something on a play to Florida State the tight end. If you go back and look on the post of Pat Carter, he was my, I was his host. I had to plug in everywhere. He was talking about this long line of strawberries and could get in and, and the whole deal. And it was true. It was on 30 for 30. And all the Dolphins players, Lorenzo Hampton, uh, Ron Davenport, uh, I forgot who the other guy. It was like three or four of them standing in line. And we get out of the car and we walk straight on in. I, and I stopped. I said, man, look, let them in. They, they with me like that. And we, <laughs> we in college, we telling the pro like, yeah, let, the, let them in, let, let them in like that. So Pat was telling that story. I had a friend work at Hot 105 back then, and she was a DJ. 
And I, we had the mobile phone. So I, I he was riding the car. We going back to, to, to his hotel. It's late night ride by. We ride by the airport. Miami International. Never forget this. I said, hey, I got a homeboy, Pat Carter, in town. Da, da, da. He's visiting top recruit. He didn't know what I was doing. I hung the phone up. I turned the radio up. And he was sitting there. And she said, I want to welcome Pat Carter to, to the city of Miami. We pray that you come on in and you be part of the hurricane. Dude, this country dude from St. Whatever, he, Petersburg, Florida, he lost it. He, he's he putting the radio. Man, my, he couldn't believe it. Like, he said, this dude got so much pull. So you got to read that. He just posted that like two days ago about that story. It is true. It, it did happen. Man, like, see, those are the stories that like people just don't know. You know what I mean? It's like you only get those stories when you can be able to, you know, interview somebody and really have them open up and just, you know, tell the stories about what they were like 18, 19, 20 years old, you know, just enjoying college life, you know. And, and I feel like a lot of kids today, they, they take that college life for granted. I want to ask you a serious question, though. What's it going to take for the University of Miami to get back to those glory days that they had in the early 80s? you know, early, uh, late 80s, early 90s, like kind of like what Alabama's doing now. What's it going to take for Miami to get back there? Is it, a, is it a culture thing? Is it a coaching thing? Is it a player thing, an attitude thing? You said the last one, the attitude. What, what, what has to happen over the years, I've watched and, and I've, I've been in the stands, I've been and I'm, I'm watching the sideline, I'm watching, you know, just, just the whole movement. One of the things that when the offense was on the field, the defense – they, 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 they was there. They was like basically cheering us on. And the same thing for us when we came out the field, you know what I'm saying, like that. But what, what was happening in the past, and I hope Manny can get this right and understand, you have to get the players that want to play for the U, not the ones who just want it. I, I see a lot of guys, I've seen a lot of coaches in the past that they, they, they're so happy to put the uniform on, and that's it. It stops after that. Oh, I'm a hurricane. No, dude, when those lights are off, we fought each other. Benny, Brian Blaze. I, I remember one scrimmage. Man, dude, listen, we in there. It's a Saturday scrimmage. We don't hung out to Inferno all night long. Everybody smelling the whole liquor. It's, I mean, the whole huddle is just lit. I'm talking about everybody. <laughs> and we out there. I mean, Benny and Brian's mom was in the stands. And Brian ran a slant route. And Benny took, he's in a cover three. He took two steps. And he ran full speed. And when I say he whacked the crap out of Brian, boom. I was like, oh shoot, he done killed this dude. And he stood over him and he was he was pointing and pointing at him. So his mama hollers, this is the mother of these two dudes. Brian, I mean, Benny, don't you hurt my baby. Don't you you better not hurt my baby. He turned to his mom. Well, mama, you better get his ass out of here. He on the football field, but knock his ass out every single time. And I'm sitting there like these are brothers, but they go to say our our mindset, we didn't care. We fought, I mean, all day long. And we feel like when we the score is seven nothing in any game we went to, we didn't care. We went to Norman, Oklahoma. When uh, Jimmy was nervous, I love Jimmy. He was nervous as heck because he got smashed when he was at Oklahoma State. He was nervous. We went through the line. We spit on their hand. We stepped on their fingers. I mean, dude, we in there like we own the state. We got into an argument, a fight with the, with the alumni sitting behind the bench. Told them, "Old oh, dudes, you gonna die tonight and whatever like that." As we kick your ass. I mean, this is we didn't care, bro. I mean, our mindset was that. Until these kids get back to their mindset that don't don't be happy to wear the uniform. The coaches don't be happy to put the uniform. I see coaches walking around with the tight pants on and the chest out. Bro, I'm a hurricane. No, you're not. When that clock, when that, that when you off that field, Mike Irvin, he was out there 90 degrees, man, with a workout sweat jacket, uh, a cemented jacket on. He's doing plyometrics. 
we used to get when the guy wouldn't show up for workouts. Jimmy never seen it like this. He would come his first time that him, Day Juan, said all of them sitting there. They looking. They couldn't. The coaches couldn't be on the field. We had every single player out there on the individual on our own. It was voluntary workouts. If a dude don't show up, we all get in the car. We go to the door. We kick the door in and say, look, you SOB, you think you better than us? Get your ass in this car and let's go. We out here working. And that's our mindset. So wow. nobody was better than nobody. And when we work, we work. And I don't see that. I don't see that drive. I don't see them taking initiative. Somebody got to stand up and be. Yeah. They was getting their butt kicked. Guys that sit on the bench like this here. Do you yeah. know I used to go and, and talk crap to Bain and all them Jerome Brown? Bro, y'all playing like beep, 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 beeps like that. You know what I'm saying? So y'all need to get y'all ass together. You know what I'm saying? So we actually went at each other during the field, on the field, and we held each other accountable. I don't see the accountability being held. Yeah. No, I feel you. Hey, Bird, real quick. Let's hit break. and we come back, we'll finish up with, uh, with Mel B. We'll be right back here on Kang Gang Radio Show, Sirius XM Channel 145. We'll be back in a few seconds. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see what's a bad idea to do that? I didn't cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing you're going to be home today so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. And then oh, you give me that puppy look back. You give me that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Good thing nobody can see you crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address, all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. 
See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't, impossible. And uh, the word can't is the word can. And the word don't is the word do. And the word won't is the word one. And in the word impossible, it's possible. What do you tell them? You tell them, you know, you know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, terrible. You know, this is what it's all about. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145, Slam Radio. You know, Bird, there's nothing like hearing these stories, man. But it's the stories that are are told from, you know, former players, especially in the, you know, the, I don't want to call the old head days. But- no, it is. It is. OG, OG, OG. That's right. OGs. Listen, like, but those are the stories that are symbolic of what the University of Miami, when they were winning, is what it was about. Like, that was the competition, the competition on Green Tree, the competition – you know, between man on man. And, I, and I'm and i going to hit on a point, like, Mel, that you talked about. When I watched the game, and I've been going to games since 91 was the very first game I ever attended. Miami played Houston in the OB. I fell in love with those lights, you know, looking, you know, I sat in the west end zone looking, you know, down to the east and seeing downtown Miami. Like, there was nothing like the old girl, right? I mean, like, I don't care. No stadium in America will ever touch the old girl. But – being able to watch those those games there and to be able to watch what we're watching now. Like I go back to the North Carolina game last year. Like there's no there's no energy. There's no passion. It's like, okay, and 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 as soon as they lose, the next hour they're posting like their one clip, you know, on social media about their one catch or their one pass breakup or whatever the case may be. Instead of like worrying about getting in the film room and figuring out what you did wrong. Like, that's the mentality of today's generation. And I don't want to use the word entitlement generation, but I think that's kind of where these kids have gotten. I think you hit it on the head. They put on that uniform, and they think that it stops there. No, I mean, you got to – like, I'm watching clips now. Bert, I don't know if you noticed now, but if you're watching the clips now, they just had the scrimmage the other night. But there's no you on the side of that helmet. Like, you got to earn that. And I think that's maybe where it's starting to get back to. Competition breeds, you know, you know, iron sharpens iron, all that competition – when you were there, obviously you had Alonzo, Warren Williams, you know, uh, Leonard Conley. Like there was ballers that played. And now we're finally starting to get that depth, starting to get, you know, starting to get, you know, 
I don't want to say the luster back, but we're really starting to get something there. And you're right. I hope Manny changes the attitude. If you're not doing something right, get in their face, man. Put, you know, say something to them. You know, these guys don't ever want to say anything to these kids anymore because today's all about the portal. You know what? Oh, I'm not getting no burn. I'm not getting no PT. I'm just going to hit the portal. I'm going to go play somewhere else. There's no loyalty anymore. You guys were loyal like to, 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 to a fault almost, right? Like you probably could have left a little early, like, you know, like the other guys did, but you chose to stay there. You know, I appreciate everything you did at the University of Miami because again, like you said, you laid it all on the line. You, you gave an arm, you gave a leg and that leg cost you millions of dollars. But at the end of the day, you are where you are today. You're the modern day Jerry Maguire. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Nico, you was you was doing great till you got that part. Dog. You about to get fired, hey, Dirty Bird? Dirty Bird, you you the CEO now, bro. His ass. Am I hired back? He fired. Yeah, yeah. Come back on now. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, that, that movie sucks, man, because it gives a wrong picture of ages like they behind. Well, and, and I was going to ask you that because that that's one thing that yes. I wanted to lead up to. Because right now you're doing the MB, you're doing the MB five sports management, right? So you're into the to the the, the, the agent business, right? Yes, How's sir. that going, and what got you into that? Actually, um, when Robert Frehley, <clears throat> who's uh, he passed in a plane crash with uh, Payne Stewart, that's what Jerome Brown, that was Alonzo Highsmith, and Winston Moss's uh, agent. And uh, we, I, I had signed with him, you know, I, before the game, I verbally committed, but I was going to go with him. That's how I knew about Tampa wanted to take me to fourth pick in the first round. And Robert, when I got hurt, I had to be strategic in my, my, my next steps. And so back then, field turf was so terrible. So I, I went to Robert. I said, listen, uh, I said, Freddie, let's do this. Let's invite the teams with grass fields. It was the 49ers. They had like about six teams was playing on natural grass. And the rest of them was on that, that, that crappy turf back then. You know, Bert, Bert it was ridiculous. It's like rolling, bad. especially in New Orleans. That was the worst field ever. They roll it on a, a concrete by the level of like this much cushion. So I said, well, let's, let's do this. And then I'll, I'll work out for those teams individually. And then we'll sign with them and let, like them, let them draft me. And so when I was going through this process, so Robert, he was at lunch. He stopped. He looked at me, he said, he looked at me, he said, listen, if you don't make it in football, he said, don't you get into the agent business. You're going to put me out of business. You can't tell a black kid from Liberty City something like that, bro. I mean, I'm, you know, from the neighborhood. I'm like, I said, this white dude tell me that don't do it. I'm going to put him out of business. I'm like, Okay. So now what I did, I got to Denver. I went and made up some business cards. I went to John Elway. I went to Gary Kubiak, who was a backup quarterback. I went to Steve Atwater, the Migos, uh, Ricky Natil, those guys, Van Johnson. I was passing out cards in the locker room. And I, I literally made up a sports agent car. I wasn't certified. I said, look, holla at me, bro. I'll do your next deal for the Lolo. They laughed at me. They were laughing and thought it was a joke. But I was dead serious. You know what I'm saying? It was something that intrigued me because I had a strategic – playing my way to get back into the NFL and the Broncos drafted me with the grass. I put that out there in the media. We didn't have social media. So certain things I implanted because I wanted them to grab hold of it. And then I had to had a private workout and the Broncos took me a year later after the Dolphins. I, when I forfeited, cause I had a Lords of London policy for a million dollars. So I had leverage. So, and I had them restructure the deal. If I make the active roster for the first three games, I forfeited the money. You know, Lords of London wanted to hear that. Like, you, you, they could keep the money. Play. <laughs> yeah, I, so I gave it back. I gave the million back. But you know what, though? I didn't make the money that I was. But you know what? Coming through that tunnel at the Super Bowl in New Orleans, even though we got smashed by the 49ers 55-10, that coming through and get my name called was worth way more millions. And everything I went through 
that was iconic for me. And that yeah. right then I can say, you know what, after my career is over, it could be after this game. I I, I was self satisfied internally from that point on. Man, how are you? How are you able to reach out to clients? And you know, how, what what is your what do you look for? Obviously, do you have people that work for you, or what? Do, obviously, you have an eye, right? Just like Alonzo, you know, Alonzo doing you know player personnel. You know, he was in Green Bay and Cleveland. Um, you know, what do you look for? You look for character. Obviously, you look for talent. I mean, that, that's in first and foremost. But what all do you look for in a potential you know client? Uh, you know what? I mean, we were so these kids nowadays. I tell them, I said, everything that you guys have, are doing and trying to do, I've done it, you know what I'm saying, on all level. I'd have been to the strip clubs. I'd have been buying bottles, I'd have whatever. So I don't want them to step in the potholes that I stepped in. I made a mistake, you know what I'm saying, as far as the girls and this and that. So kids, going they're going to live a little, but you, you, what you got to do is lessen the potholes that they're going to step in. And, and I don't step in major big holes. So now my knowledge, if they listen, they'll have the longevity in the league because I'm giving them the, the, the answers to the, uh, the, the, the SAT before they take the test. And a gotcha. lot of them don't want to hear it. You know what I'm saying? I have kids that I have, I, I walked away from, I terminated you know, a couple of kids because they're going about the league anyway. They can't take it from me, the OG that I've been there, done it on all sides from the hood, the whole deal. I was broke before I had money, you know, whatever I was, I had a $75,000 signing bonus. It, I mean, 75,000 was a base salary and I had $125,000 signing bonus. That ain't no money. You know what I'm saying? Probably the NFL. But I had to go through that in order to get to where I am right now to understand. And God has blessed me tremendously to be able to be in this seat. To If the person, a parent, want to listen to me, guess what? This Their child and them will be out of the league in about two years. You see that, right? You know, what's, what's your take about this whole, like, kids opting out of – whether or not sitting out a season or sitting out, you know, soft, not soft, game. Soft, that's what it is, right? Soft, soft. Listen, you know, there's a kid, uh, uh, University of Pittsburgh, Russo. I love Russo. Wanted to see, Russo it really, I think he hurt himself, you know what I'm saying, as yep. far as doing that because he let these two other kids come in from different schools and get and eat. They ate. They made money off the, him. The UCLA kid and the kid from Temple came yep. in and they ate. And those two are going to go before that kid. I hate to say that. And then the kid, as a kid from uh, University of Pittsburgh, D-Tackle, you had two years of freshman side, but you can't, the league needs three years of film to see who you are. Because juniors get graded on the curve of what they can be. That's why you see half of the draft is 15 guys as always juniors, or 14 and 15, the rest are seniors. But they get graded on the curve. But when a senior is a senior, you, you got an A+. Plus. You ain't, you're not going to stay at A+, because they're looking to poke holes in you to bring you down. He's not, if he came out last year, he'd have been this. So it's a it's a catch twenty two on both sides with that. So, but the opt out, I think whoever's in the ear gave them bad advice, and the kid Bates, a wide receiver from Minnesota, and he jumped back in. He he opted out. These people who they're listening to, these agents who never took a snap before, cannot. You can't tell those kids the passion of the game. People want to see that. That means you wait, quit on them. You may change teams as, as a free agent because you're not loyal to your team. Yeah. That's that, yeah. they don't understand that it shows way beyond this that you have no loyalty to your team because there's no way Jerome Brown could have opted out and we let him do that or a Heisman or me. Hell no, bro. We'd have been yeah. at this, man. We've been fighting, bro. You know, and that's why I feel like the NCAA, they need to do something with this portal. I feel like, you know what, if you do three years 
at one school, just like the grad transfer rule, right? You shouldn't be leave. You shouldn't be able to leave after one year because now what you're doing is you're hurting scholarships. You're hurting kids who maybe you you were gonna take, but then this kid chose to come there, and maybe you missed out on a kid that really wanted to be at your school, but you chose a kid, and then that kid leaves. You know, I feel like the NCA needs to do something, but the NCA is a joke. You know, no matter how you call it, there's that's it's just a money grab for the NCAA, right? Like we all know, the NCA is money, 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 money. And until the NCA steps in and really changes that rule, I don't think it's going to change. But you hit on something that I thought was important was Greg Rousseau, and I brought this up early in a different episode. Greg only had one year of film, and he benefited by having like Jonathan Garvin on on um, on the end two years ago and allowing him to roam free with mismatches because Jonathan Garvin was getting double teamed, getting chipped. So that allowed Rousseau to really make his mark. Him sitting out allowed, like you said, Jalen Phillips and Quincy Roche to just come in there and eat and eat and eat. And like me and Bird were talking just a few minutes ago before you hopped on. I think if you're going to opt out, you damn well better be prepared for your pro day and be able to show out because you know what? You had no tape. And you literally underperformed. So you went from being a top 10, top 15 pick to now maybe being the potentially third or fourth D end even taken in the draft now. It just it hurts, right? So I don't know, man. I thought that was a that was a, a key key point that you touched on. I'm gonna hit you with a couple of rapid fire questions. And right. again, these are just little things that we tell we we love, we like to kind of throw at guests and uh we'll go from there. So Again, you can answer them if you want to. You can say pass. You can say no comment, however you want to do it. So, uh, well, then, as long, hit- as long as you don't ask one question, am I a stripper? Yes. All right. Go, go. <laughs> well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, I'm seeing what you're wearing. So, this might answer my question, but headphones or AirPods? AirPods. Oh, okay. No, no, no. What? You, you mean what I, what I prefer or what I have? No, what do you prefer? Um, no, no, I'm not. Uh, oh, gee, these, man, I can't. Them mother- oh, man, bro. <laughs> I, they fall out your ear. Man, no, man, that's, that's dead. No, yeah. Here you go, headphones. Headphones. That's, headphones. that's like being at the airport, right? You got you go, you go up to the urinal, man, and all you're thinking is like, please don't let my earbuds fall. Hey, that part, that part. I'm yes, old sir. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, lobster or crab legs? Um, I'll do the crab legs, especially if they uh from Joe's. Okay, all right. Red apples or Granny Smith green apples? Oh, dude, where where you getting these questions from, bro? <laughs> hey, who's your who's your producer? I'm gonna fire them. Uh, your assistant that come with these questions. Granny apples, bro. I don't bro, care. Granny Smith are awesome though. All right, so just Kod Kod or Magic City? The Magic City. <laughs> come on, bro. I know Magic real well. Kod, my boys too, but you know Lenny Moore, those guys, but. That's back in the days. That's back in the days. So I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a new change man now. So don't bring those things up on this air. Okay? I got you. I got you. <laughs> Steve Walsh or Den- uh, Steve Walsh or Craig Erickson? Steve Walsh or Craig Erickson? Well, let's go. Let's put Bernie Kosar. Let's put Tessa Verde in there. And I always tell people out of the three, uh, and Craig. Well, see, I didn't. Craig was my puppy. That's that's my that's my little bro. I love him today. If I call him right now, he would pick me up from the airport. And because I took him to the first black club he ever went to and took him, took him to Luke's. And I had every black chick in the city of Miami was loving this dude like that. So his wife, don't get mad that that's way back when, but he was the hottest thing in there. He was a marky mark of, of white boys back then. Wow. And, 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 it was like that back then, like huh? That he was buffed and yoked up, and they was loving on him, bro. Wow. Like that. But I love Craig as, but I mean Steve was smart. So 
at the time, for what it was with me, it was Steve, but Craig has a, uh, a gun and a natural talent, and he's a competitor. All right, so the last thing I'm going to leave you with, Miami opens up with Alabama September 4th in Atlanta. <laughs> what are we doing on September 3rd? Mel, we coming up to the A. What are we doing for a pep rally? I'm working it out right. It's funny. I was at a spot last night. I'm working out whatever. Everybody is on me like you got to have a party. You got to have a set. So I'm going to have something. I'm going to have a 305 repping. Uh, about to get Jam Pony, all the boys in the back. Bro, what head. you know about Slick Come on, Slick man. Bay. They was up here uh, this weekend, and I, I missed it. I heard about it later, but I said I want to bring them back on that Friday. So get ready. We get ready to do it because, I mean, Saturday watching the game may not be a good sight. I hope – I pray that we come out and fight, you know what I'm saying, to do that yeah. and, and surprise everybody. But I'm pulling for us, of course. I never quit yeah. on my canes. But Friday night, listen – Y'all want to come and set up and do live? And I'll bring Bro, we'll do a live show. Let's do that. Let's do that. You guys come. Yes. I, I got a couple spots right now I'm looking at, so I have it set up for you guys. Make sure you guys are good. So, so Mel, I got, I got one more thing. I've got one thing to ask him, though, man. And you mentioned you and you and uh, Dion are boys, right? Yes. So, so listen, do you, you know, Dolphin Derek, our boy right here, also said, you know, Prime never beat Miami. And I just want to make sure you t- you never let him forget that, do you, at any point? <laughs> Listen, when they won the first championship, was it 95? Was it what, what they won the first Florida State won the first championship? Something like that. Yeah, something like that. That dude called me. He called me that night. He said, Bro, and I didn't know that because I mean I did not know that. He said, You know, in my three years, I never beat y'all. And I said, Are you serious? He said, I never beat y'all. He said, I'm gonna buy me a national championship ring and I'm gonna wear it. You know, because he said, I never beat the you. I never knew that. So Deco. You gangster with that, bro. You you did your homework. You done. That's true. That's fact. That's fact. So, so check this out. I bet you if Miami went up and played Jackson State right now, he'd beat Miami. <laughs> oh come on! Hey, I have no comment. I have no comment. Hey, listen, man. Listen. This, look at Eddie George. He'll step into the uh, this bro. Is Tennessee State. State. Tennessee State. Listen, yep. he got no one. Did y'all know his staff is? Jeff Fisher is going to be the D coordinator, and his oh, wow. uh, son is going to be the offensive coordinator. The wow. Fishers. Yes, yes. You and he's got uh, what's his name? Uh, uh Rogers Camardi too is also coaching there too. Okay, yeah, all of them. Yeah, they, Dominique Rogers Camardi. Dominique, Dominique, that's yeah. that's good. Yeah, Dominique's great. Yeah. Great kid. Great. I know him very well. He's a good kid. Yeah. Well, Mel, listen to this. We're we going we gonna to link link up September 3rd, man. Like, you, you should sure. be where we're going to go, and uh, we'll set up, man. And, listen, we appreciate you coming on on the Can Gang Show, man. Listen, we definitely got to have you back on. Maybe we'll try to get you and Alonzo on at the same time, man. And oh, we'll, get, we'll have a great old time, bro. <laughs> Y'all get ready for that one. That's going to be a hell of a show. We need two hours on that one. I bro, let's do it. Listen, we'll do it. Y'all can have the whole two hours, man. No, we going to fight. We going to argue. I'm going to call him yes. all kind of names. He gonna call I got to get Benny and Brian on, too, then. We'll get them all oh. on. Selwyn Brown, let's get them all no, on. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. Appreciate you guys, man. Love it. Keep doing what y'all doing, man. I love it, man. Thanks. Thanks, appreciate man. You, I appreciate it. Hey, listen, everybody, y'all appreciate number five, man. The original number five to rock that orange and green. We appreciate you, Mel. You have a good one. We'll be right back here on the Kang Gang Show. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowe. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker Every What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station.
Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It does, you I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apolo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tongue of Iloa. To a nigga Manuela Polo. Tongue of Iloa. To a nigga Manuela Polo. Tongue of Iloa. To a nigga Manuela Polo. Tongue of Iloa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information like your social security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva Potra, la caballota, la reina y mi cuy. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody, we're back here on the Kane Gang Radio Show, Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Um, the last hour was an amazing interview with uh, the original OG number five, the ghost, Melvin Bratton Bird. Uh, you know, being able to listen to some of the stories and being able to, like, rekindle some of the old memories, man, there's, there's nothing better than the old memories of being in the OB and watching, like, Melvin Bratton and, you know, Lonzo Highsmith and some of those guys, man. It's uh, definitely entertaining to even hear him now talk about, you know, the bond that they still have even to this day. Dude, you ain't kidding, man. Um, you know, one thing with Mel, man, that guy, that guy was special when he was here, man. And uh, you know, sucks to see that he uh that he suffered the, you know, the injury that he did. You know, it was pretty devastating for him, man. But uh, you know, he's a great guy, man. I like to see uh, you know, I like to see all the different things that he's into now. I mean, you know, he's he's into so many different things. He's got his uh, his keen water going. Keen water, baby. You know, keen he's an agent, water. <laughs> NBA and NFL certified. Um, you're just all around good guy, man. You know, yeah. I know when we uh, when we make it up there to Atlanta for the uh, you know for the uh, Alabama game, uh, we're definitely going to be sure to, to link up with uh, with Melvin. No doubt. So so Bird, uh, let's welcome uh, to the show. I don't even want to call him a guest. He's our friend, man. Um, no there's doubt. a difference between friends and guests, right? So like Melvin's our friend too, but he was actually a special guest. But you know, <laughs> let's welcome to the to the show our friend, um, our boy Paul from Scoop on to You. Paul, what's going on, brother? 
What's good, guys? First off, I just want to say, man, it's truly an honor to come on the show with Bird and Derek, man. I, I remember Derek specifically because when I would go to games, you know, I was I was just a normal fan on social media, and I would see Derek at the game on ESPN. I'll tell my dad, like, yo, that guy is a diehard Miami Hurricanes fan. He was like last color, color Ridge last, you know? So it, it truly is an, a great opportunity and an honor to come on your show, guys. And you guys are doing an outstanding job having, a, you know, the amount of quality guests you're having and you know your canes um takes that you guys have and the information and passion you guys bring man this is definitely the go-to place uh you know for canes content oh we appreciate the love man we appreciate your show too man you got a great thing going on there too man you know after every game this year man i made sure uh after every game man to tune in i mean you you know you got it going on after the games man i love (laughs) the uh the opinions and the fresh takes and stuff and you know we're calling you from the car leaving games and stuff so (laughs) I appreciate it, guys. At the end of the day, man, we don't do this for fame or, you know, clout, whatever you want to call it. We do it for the passion of the University of Miami because we bleed orange and green. And I think when it's passion, you know, your true colors show and, you know, that's when it really comes out on the live show. So I appreciate it, man. I appreciate passionate fans like yourself. No doubt. You know, no you know what's funny is there's so many different, you know, podcasts um that are out there you know it's hard to follow everybody but i try you know obviously you know you have you know obviously yours is probably one of the better ones that i listen to um uh you know there's stadium drive and jason hasn't been doing it for a little while now but there's so many different podcasts out there you know uh our former uh co-host jordan you know him and marsh are doing fours up and um you know again I, i wish success to everybody out there who who's doing some type of University of Miami material. Because at the end of the day, like you just said, we're all fans and we all want the best for the University of Miami. I think certain shows have different takes on different things. Obviously, we like to try to be more positive than negative on on number one individuals or student athletes and coaches, right? At the end of the day, we're just fans. Like, and, And I tell people all the time, I'm just a fan. I'm not out there calling anything, catching anything, running anything, throwing anything. My job as a fan is to sit in the stands and root and cheer. You know, there's times I'll get down and I'll get negative, but I don't sit there and kind of bash, you know, bash these kids. And for what for what reason do we do that, you know? So yeah. to what end, man, you know? Listen, it is what it is. So getting into some, some nitty-gritty stuff. So obviously we have the spring game, you know, Saturday. It's going to be, you know, it's back at the Rock, you know, 11 o'clock, um, ACC Network, it's – it's finally on TV. I mean, I don't, again, I'm not saying that that's a big thing, but at least, you know, those that, you know, the fans, because the fans can't get in and watch it. Paul, I want to ask you a couple of questions. So there's five things that I personally am looking for coming out of this spring game. And I'm going to start with the first one, and then we can all go around like a little round table and talk about it. My, my, my first question is, who's going to be QB2 coming into the fall? Because obviously I do think that Derrick King comes back in the fall and he does take QB1. So my question is, and Paul, since, you know, you're our friend and you're, you know, spotting, you know, with us tonight, what are you looking for and and who do you think is going to be QB2 going into the fall and then we'll follow up with Bird? Yeah, no, that's an outstanding question because it's a very interesting situation we're in. Tyler Van Dyke, he's playing tremendously. I mean, the guy's putting up numbers in back-to-back scrimmages. You also have Jake Garcia as well who – in my opinion, I think the staff believes in Jake Garcia that he'll be the next starting quarterback at the University of Miami, whether that's before or after Tyler Van Dyke. That remains to be determined. But, you know, ultimately what I'm looking for is, 
you know, I think pocket presence is going to be huge. You know, who, who's, who's more advanced in the sense of pocket presence, being aware in the pocket, um, chemistry with wide receivers. Um, you know, we need to develop a deep ball threat. I felt like that's been out of our offensive game plan this past season, you know, so who can develop that connection, you know, who, to develop that deep ball game in our offense and who's more aware with the offense. You know, a lot of, it's very difficult for a true freshman coming in one semester at any program to have the playbook down packed. So I'm curious if Jake Garcia, you know, how advanced is he with the playbook? I think Tyler Van Dyke is going to be a lot more comfortable, obviously, since he already has a full year under Rhett Lashley's playbook. So just kind of see those differences right there. I know Peyton Matoka hasn't gotten a lot of mention throughout spring practice, but ultimately I think the quarterback, uh, the backup quarterback battle right now is between Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia. So just little things like that. And, you know, who runs the offense more smooth overall? Yeah. yeah I, What's your take on that? No, I got I to agree with Paul there, man. I think it's TVD, right? Um, you know, he's doing everything that, that he's supposed to be doing. I mean, at least in, you know, in the limited sight that we get, right? Uh, you know, his stat line from the scrimmage, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was an absurdly high completion percentage, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions, you know, so um, – that's good. But, you know, then we're also seeing a lot of highlights from Jake. So the best thing we can do uh, is see these guys push each other and see a lot of competition. Right. So, you know, if there's any silver lining, which, you know, I don't know that you can can say this, but if there's any silver lining to King not being here during the spring. It's that these two guys are getting to battle it out. Um, and there's no question who QB one is right. Who, who's running it back this year. Right. But, uh, you know, for that number two job, I think it's TVD. And, it, you know, it should be it should be natural because if, if you're TVD and you come in here and you're playing as well as you're playing right now and you get beat out by Jake, you know, what gets in his head with all this transfer portal stuff, right? So, you know, I think it's I think TVD is going to win the job. I think, you know, it's great to see some of the some of the balls that Jake's been throwing, though, man. He's had he's had some darts out there. So we'll see. But I think it's uh, TVD's job for the number two spot. One thing that I, I kind of laugh at sometimes is when you look at some of the, the cuts and the edits that the University of Miami puts out, some of their clips, if you watch some of the balls that Jake was throwing and it's lofted in the air and it's going downfield for like 30, 40 yards on the left hash, the next thing you know, someone's catching it on the right hash. Like, so I don't really know if those balls are actually accurate because <laughs> literally, I, I mean, you, you guys understand what I'm saying? If you guys seen yeah. like some of the clips, I'm like, there's yeah. no way he's throwing that ball on the left hash. And then somebody's catching it on the right hash. So great job by the UM, uh, you know, video staff and cutting and editing some of those balls. But here's another topic real quick. Obviously this year, I think Derek King, you know, again, I'm a big proponent of TVD have been since way back. You know, there was a lot of talk, you know, earlier in, you know, in recruiting back in the, in the, like early December time, you know, Jake, 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 Jake and bird. Like, and I'm sure we have this on, on file. Like, I never once wavered with TVD. I'm like, look, the guy's 6'4", 220, committed here, already under the like the Rhett Lashley system for a year. I think sky's the limit for him. But the key thing to me is what's going to happen next year when you have, quote-unquote, TVD, Jake Garcia, and then Ja'Curry Brown stepping onto campus. And people aren't even talking about Caden Martin, too. Like, like when he comes in, if he does decide to come in, that's a good problem to have, right? I don't think Martin actually steps foot at UM. I think, depending on where he's drafted at, I think he Thanks takes so. some money and rolls, you know. But yeah. um, it's definitely a good thing to have, you know. Sure. But the problem, though, is you have no upperclassman leadership going into next season, though. Technically, TVD would be 
if all he would be a junior per se, but he would be a redshirt sophomore based on what's going on with the COVID situation. Yeah. So, um, yeah, He's I'm looking a for a third year guy, right? Like, correct, so, correct. Know. So, you know, and again, but only one year again, no one's really going to have any predominant playing, you know, uh, game as far as what's going to happen this season if King stays healthy. So, having said that, now, Paul, you did mention something that I thought was intriguing is that deep ball threat. Who are we looking at as far as wide receiver three? Because I'm a firm believer you got Rambo and Harley have two of those spots solidified. Now, out of the next 10, 11 guys, like who, who are you looking to finally step up or, or take that third spot on a consistent basis? Yeah, no, 100% agree. You know, I think we've identified Mike Harley as our veteran wide receiver. Who's, in my opinion, he's going to lead the team in receptions, and he's our most consistent wide receiver coming back. Um, then you have Charleston Ramble coming from Oklahoma. Um, you know, he comes from a high-power Big 12 offense. You know, the reason why he left Oklahoma, he wasn't getting a lot of targets. I think right now fighting for that three spot um, is, you know, don't give up on D. Wiggins. A lot of people kind of – that D Wiggins, Mark Pope, they've had enough of inconsistent play. I still think his skill set can be elite at the power five level, specifically in ACC coastal play. And he, he does get open. We've seen that he can provide that deep ball threat on that Miami needs offensively, and he can get open. I think it's more of a mental thing with D Wiggins. So don't give up on D Wiggins. And I saw he had five receptions in the past scrimmage. So He's getting the targets. You know, it's just more of a mental thing. A lot of people are pushing for Xavier Restrepo. It's his, I guess, second year of college football. The game's probably slowing down for him as well. I understand he's a very disciplined young man. He has a high football IQ. So I think those two guys right now are fighting for that third spot in the wide receiver rotation. Mark Pope as well. You know, this, I, I, I mentioned D Wiggins. Mark Pope is another example of someone who has the elite skill set, the power five level. There's a reason why he was a highly touted recruit coming out of high school. Andrew Ivan said he was the best seven on seven football player coming out of high school that he's ever seen. It's because of his skill set, his speed, his quickness, his athleticism is what separated him from other wide receivers at the high school level. And so let's, you know, get Mark Pope mentally more higher confidence you know as a fan base i know we're easy to attack and put down players but i'm telling you if you put give it give um give him a higher confidence you know have him be more confident throughout a game throughout the season you know maybe throw him a couple screens just to get his confidence up maybe you know we can see a different mark pope and we saw that with philip dorsett you know we saw the game in chicago at soldier field when he dropped a couple passes that were wide open easy touchdowns that you know kind of impacted the early stages of that oh, game against Notre Dame. Game. 100%. You know, <laughs> next year, Philip Dorsett, he has that connection with Brad Kaya, and he's a first-round pick. He's going to the New England Patriots. So yeah. I don't think Mark Pope is the next Philip Dorsett, but, you know, hey, let's boost up their confidence, and, you know, maybe we can see a 180 from Mark Pope this upcoming season. So I think those are my three wide receivers I'm targeting. I, on the outside looking in is your Michael Reddings third, your Keyshawn Smiths, but I think those three guys are going to be fighting it out for the uh, third spot. Yeah. One thing that I find that you, you did mention, and I had to talk with this with uh, Miami Flow, is you talk about the seven-on-seven, seven, right? I feel like you can't really grade somebody. This is, again, this is my personal opinion. You can't really grade somebody based on seven-on-seven. Seven. There's no contact. You don't have to worry about going across the middle and getting lit up by, you know, a 225-pound you know, 225 safety literally waiting to take your head off, right? And I think I think it's more confidence with, with Mark Pope and even with D. Wiggins because at how much how much leash does, like, Rhett Lashley and Manny Diaz 
um, give those guys this season with the amount of talent that you have with, again, the Keyshawn Smiths, the Michael Reddings, and again, the Romilla Brinson, Jacoby George, Bashard Smith, you know, Xavier Strepo. Like, how much lease do you give those guys before you say, you know what, we've seen what you can do for almost four years now. You're not cutting it. We're going with the young guys. Bird, what's your take? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's so many guys now. I mean, the depth, I mean, there's so many guys that have the opportunity to come up here and, uh, and take the job. But for me, my three, you know, I'm going, uh, I'm going with the three, you know, um, Rambo, obviously number one, I think that guy's going to be a superstar. I remember watching him in the Oklahoma game, uh, the Oklahoma, Florida bowl game. And like, man, this guy's a burner. Um, you know, and he was, well, the whole Oklahoma team was giving those nasty Gators the business, man. So it was beautiful to watch, but, uh, you know, Rambo's number one to me, you know, look, I'm, I'm all for Pope going in there and winning that, winning that second job, um, you know, winning the, winning the job opposite Rambo, um, you know, I mean, he's got to go in there. He's got to work hard, though, man. So he's got to earn it off the field. He's got to be in the weight room. He's got to be hitting the jugs machine. You know, he's he's got to catch the damn ball, right? I mean, he's got he's got one job really to catch the ball when it's thrown to him. Uh, you know, and then Harley in the slot, man. I mean, you know, Harley flourished late last year. Um, you know, I think he really kind of took the next steps and made himself a, a leader within the program. So it was definitely good to see that out of Harley. But listen, you know, any of those guys. Any of them, even Rambo, doesn't do what they're supposed to do. And one of these young, hungry guys, the Brinson, the George, you know, Brashard Smith, uh, you know, any of them. Heck, if Jeremiah Payton shows up, <laughs> which, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen now. Just, but, I always had a milk carton because I'd probably have something <laughs> on the back of that. Listen, there's a, there's a lot of things, you know, I, I like to think I'm usually right on most of my takes in sports in, in general, right? But if there was ever one, I mean, I was I was tooting the horn of uh, Jeremiah Payton and being – WR one yeah. last year, and I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, I mean, he had like what two or three balls thrown to him all season. Was yeah, you know, but unfortunately, sometimes I think, again, you're a highly touted guy. You go to a program, maybe that program doesn't really fit you. Maybe that system doesn't fit you. Obviously, he came in with Dan Enos. Um, obviously, last year was Rhett Lashley, but that sometimes you still have to put the work in. I don't know if it's maybe a film study thing. I don't know if it's a classroom thing. You know, maybe I don't want to say that anybody was in the doghouse, but we don't know the circumstances why he couldn't get on the field. Right. Academics play a role in it. You know, team violations might you know play a role in it. So so we don't know. But it's a good thing to have. Just like we talked about the quarterback situation with the, you know, the depth that's coming in, even with next year, adding to what we already have. Same thing goes into play for the receivers, because really after this season, you're probably losing Harley, which is a given. But after that, who else you losing? Unless somebody hits the portal, you know, like the Dazzle right. Warshams or the Jeremiah Paytons, you know, do you see guys like that maybe hitting the portal? Um, so it, it's going to be very interesting to see how they use those players and at what capacity are they going to use those players? Because there's way too many receivers to get a lot of burn. You're not going to be mixing and matching, you know, all those players. So let's do this before we get into uh, the, the next topic that I want to talk about for spring and what to look for. Let's take a quick break. And uh, we'll be right back, so stay tuned, and uh, we'll catch you on the flip. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. 
clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. We are strong, we are resilient, and we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid, but there is hope. Reach out to someone, connect with your friends, stay in touch with your community, and know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. But you I'm see, it's a bad idea to do that. I didn't Bro, cry during the talk. Good thing, good thing. You're going to be home today, so nobody can see you cry. But I was fine. I didn't even cry. I was like, good. No, but the silence afterwards is enough. Oh, and then you give me that puppy look. Back. You give that puppy look you have. I'm just holding it back a little. Give good a thing little nobody can see crying tonight. I'm fine. Stay home, privacy of your own home, watch it on Zoom. <laughs> you, know, you can be a Richard sometimes. <laughs> good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang. On Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Social Security is with you through life's journey from birth to retirement. As your life changes year to year, so do your needs. For over 80 years, Social Security has helped to meet your needs and is committed to improving access to the services that make a difference in your life. Today, you can verify your earnings, estimate your future benefits, apply for retirement, manage your benefits, and even change your address all from the comfort of your home. Social Security's online services help put you in control with secure access to your information anytime, anywhere, allowing you to spend more time with family, friends, or simply just enjoying the day. Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. See what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. I'm constantly failing, guys. I'm constantly learning. It's not how you fall, it's how you get back up. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. But I really get motivated when people tell me it'll never happen. That, that to me is what makes me get up in the morning and go, what's next? I love people to tell me no. I love people to tell me don't, it won't. All of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio, what's up? From Enrique Santos, 2949, iHeart Latino. And now we're back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio.
All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, waiting around for us while we took a little break and give the sponsors their uh, their airtime because uh, that's what we do here on Sirius XM Channel 145. Back with uh, Paul from Scoop on the U, back with the bird. And uh, so my next, my next topic that I want to talk about, what I'm looking for personally, is our linebackers, Paul. And this has been a kind of a sore subject over the last couple of years. You know, ever since we lost, you know, like the, the Shacks and the Pinkneys and, you know, guys like that. Um, I just think our linebackers really haven't been productive and, and not taking anything away from Shaq and Pinckney, but I don't think that they really, after their freshman year, I don't think that they did kind of what they did their freshman year, right? Their freshman year, all three of them, between McLeod, um, Shaq and Pinckney, I thought they were phenomenal. And, you know, sophomore year, junior year, senior year, you kind of saw a lack of, I don't want to even say the lack of development, but the lack of production at the linebacker spot. So now we're going into this season with Corey Flagg, Tyreek Austin Cave, Bradley Jennings. Um, you know, people kind of moved around. You have the Deshaun Troutmans. Like, what are you looking for, Paul, as far as our linebackers? And what's your take on our linebackers right now? Well, you know, Derek, to touch up on, you know, the quarterman and the Pickneys, you know, those guys, they started as a freshman and they didn't compete at all. They were basically, you know, they, once they got the starting role after their next three to four years at Miami, you know, they didn't have to compete with anyone. They were just given the starting role. So I think competition brings the best out of people. And when you're not given a starting role, you know, and you have players in front of you, you know, that are going to be NFL ready. I think that makes you better as a player at that respective position because you have you see the greatness in front of you. This guy's going to be a first, second round, third round pick. And I think that's really what has been missing at the University of Miami at the linebacker position. You know, a guy like Denzel Perryman, that's a freak of nature. You Correct. know, he got early playing time since his freshman year. But I mean, you just can't teach his um, attributes. So, you know, we're missing those elite NFL guys where we used to be called linebacker. You were the underclassmen would pick right up because they were learning all these things from these great uh, future NFL players. So, you know, I think overall, just great competition, um, you know, wrap up tackles, shoot through the gaps. I think, you know, a guy like Zach McLeod, for example, you know, there hasn't been any development with his play, like you stated, since his first freshman season at Miami. They switched him over to defensive end. So this is a new group. This is a new era at the University of Miami at linebacker play. A lot of underclassmen are coming in, such as Corey Flagg, Tyreek Austin Cave, that were handpicked by Coach Manny Diaz. We also see Keontre Smith was getting some snaps. It was reported by the Miami Herald at the inside linebacker position. So they're trying to find the niche there. Ultimately, you know, I think Bradley Jennings will get the nod. But, you yeah. know, wrap up your tackles, you know, shoot through your gaps. You know, how is your your tackling, you know, your run defense? You know, how are you going to wrap up? Because there's going to be some big backs. And that's an issue we had. You know, I feel like our tackling technique at times was very poor throughout the season. And, you know, that those are things I'm going to be looking at. So, right. you know, how many snaps as well? You know, there's there's this kind of this saying of seniority. You know, hey, is Bradley Jennings, is he earning his role on the field? You know, should Tyreek Austin Cave be playing instead of him? You know, like, are there underclassmen who are outperforming and not getting a lot of snaps as well? Something I'm going to be looking at. So I'm very curious how this how this kind of rotation pans out at the inside linebacker position um, and who's going to be the starting, you know, your two starting inside linebackers. So it's going to be very curious, but they need to be very disciplined and wrap up. Yeah, you know, to me, it's, it's it's Corey Flagg, man. I mean, he's probably the one guy that I'm most excited to watch play 
on uh, uh you know on Saturday at the spring game to see what he can do out there man cuz uh you know we've heard a lot a lot of rumblings there's been a lot of a lot of talk coming out of camp about just you know how mature that this guy is he's got it upstairs uh you know he's working his butt off in the weight room you know he's doing everything that he needs to do uh to be a star out here right so you know i'm just uh, you know look all what we got to do is see it on the field now right <laughs> So I'm excited to see him. I mean, but, you know, look, Bradley Jennings, I mean, you know, those the, the, the linebackers last year, I mean, they got destroyed in our fan base. And look, rightfully so. I mean, you know, I, I think Carolina just scored on us again from, uh, you know, from, from that game that they played us, man. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, look, we have every right to be mad about the linebacker play. But, you know, look, I think the, 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 the coaching staff and the leadership of the school is doing the right thing. They're making the right moves. Zach to defensive end home run move for him, right? He's got the body. If he can put get his weight up uh, and then working with Jess Simpson, I think he can be a stud defensive end for us. So that's good to get him out of linebacker. Um, you know, Bradley Jennings, he played okay at that time. So at the end of the, you know, down the stretch last year. Um, but, you know, look, if somebody comes up, if a cave or a, you know, Corey flag comes up and takes that job, man, I'm all for it. It, it should be kind of interesting to see what's going to happen again. Cause Really, with Bradley Jennings, uh, Wayman Steed, you know, those yeah. guys. And, again, moving Amari Carter into the striker position I think is going to help, you know, that role. But then how much burn does Amari Carter get when you have guys? Because, again, if you're taking Keontre and you're moving him to linebacker as well, now you still have Gill at striker. Now you have Carter at striker. So, again, I know that they like Carter kind of up high, kind of up in the box a little bit because I think, again, he's a physical presence, right? So I think that's going to benefit him. Um, but then how much burn does he get over someone like Gil Frierson, who I think was probably our top two, top three defensive players, like on defense yeah. last year. I think, you know, Gil had a phenomenal season last, Gil was great. last year. Yeah, Gil was good. You know, and the thing about it, that's great about Gil too, that, you know, he's just, he's a hype man down there. Like he, get, he, he lifts that whole defense up, man. I mean, he's, he's wild. He's smiling. He's, He's a straight goon out there, man. Dude, you know, I love it. You know, you gotta have you gotta have a balance on a team, you know, of of, of goofballs, of you know, guys that are super intense. You know, you, you gotta have a good balance. But you know, Gil, uh, I think those guys look to him as a leader, and you know, his play on the field, man, makes guys, you know, makes guys want to play harder, man, and it makes them have fun out there. So yeah. You know, uh, wait, sorry to cut you off, oh, though. What I wanted to add is, you know, something I feel like we've been missing. I've been thinking about, you know, the linebacker position as a whole. I feel like we've been missing a lot of physicality. You know, that's something that we haven't seen in this. I'm not trying to pick on Quarterman, McLeod, the Pickney era. You know, I feel like we're missing kind of that physical linebacker that we had with Denzel. We haven't had that since Denzel. Exactly. And And that's what we're missing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't have that middle linebacker presence. You know, and even if you go back, and and I was – I was talking to Mel Bratton about this. You know, you look at like guys like like George Myra Jr., like like Dan Morgans, you know, the Ray Lewis's, you know, the Jonathan Vilmas, you know, you know, you can even talk about Colin McCarthy, like the middle yeah. linebacker, that's your that's your quarterback of the defense. Yeah. But that's gotta be your physical leader as well, because they're out there literally dictating everything. And you're right, we haven't had since Denzel. That pure physical, you, you go back just to that Florida game, you know, in 2013, and you watch Denzel, 
he would lay your ass out. Like he was like, it's, it's head on the ball, you know? And again, you even watch that in the league, that same, that same type of physicality he had at a college level, he's bringing that, you know, he's bringing that in the NFL and you don't see that from any of the, like just that drive. And this is why I do give Carter a little credit. I do think Carter wants to be that physical presence, but I just think he goes about it the wrong way. You know, especially now with the targeting rule, you have to learn where to hit somebody, when to hit somebody, how to pull back up. And I listen, I'm not in that situation. You know, you go in 110 miles an hour, and next thing you know, a guy dips his shoulder and dips his head. Next thing you know, you're getting, you know, you know, hit with a targeting call. So it's a little different, right? But I think Carter does bring that physicality, and then maybe moving him in is going to benefit him. Just like Bird, you touched on moving someone like Zach McLeod. And that's what I want to get into next is our defensive ends, because obviously losing Phillips and Roche and then losing Rousseau, you know, obviously opting out last year. What's going to be our take and who's going to really step up for us at defensive end? I truly believe that Zach McLeod will be the starting left end at the University of Miami come come Alabama. That's my personal take. Somebody who has the smarts, maybe he wasn't fit for linebacker at the college level, but at six, three and a half, 265 pounds, who knows how to get to the quarterback, who knows what to look for. I think sky's the limit for this young man. And I truly believe watching him at the Oklahoma State, like literally burning past the right tackle, like he literally has the motor to get to the quarterback. And now with Jess Simpson, who can maybe fine-tune him and show him some techniques. Paul, what do you think about Zach McLeod? And what do you think about our defensive ends with the DeAndre Johnsons, you know, and the Jaharvies and, you know, guys like that? What's your take on them? You know, I think Zach McLeod can be successful. I think it's going to be an ACC Coastal play primarily. I don't think he's going to be ready to go, you know, against the Alabamas week one. Um, You know, he did play fairly well against Oklahoma State, like you stated. Um, I I just, I don't know. It's, I'm very curious how it's going to pan out. I mean, he's a veteran player. It's his final year of college football. You're switching positions. This is really going to be a big project Jess Simpson has at his hand. Um, obviously Zach McLeod has the skill set. He has the athleticism, you know, to play defensive end at the power five level. I just don't know if it's at the elite level. He can be kind of that starting defensive end we want. I think in, in ACC coastal play, he'll get the job done. I think worst case scenario, he'll be a role player. I just, it's a big question mark for me if he will be our starting defensive end. I personally think this is Javari Harvey's breakout year. I've been very big on him since he stepped on campus. I think athletic-wise, measurement-wise, he's right up there at any elite program he can play off play at just based off of his measurements. I mean, he's 4% body fat. I mean, you can't make this up, yeah. and he's a defensive end. So I think Javari Harvey, for me, is the guy who I think is going to be our starting defensive end and really break out and shine. I think he'll be an NFL draft prospect Um if not this season, the next upcoming season. And Cam Williams, DeAndre Johnson, that's a very interesting uh, conversation. He had a great scrimmage um, this past week with four tackles. He had one pass deflection. I honestly thought DeAndre Johnson, I'm curious because if COVID-19 has held him out of spring activities, team activities, um, I thought he'd be making a bigger impact. Um, There was a player I had on the show, he even said, you know, strength and conditioning wise, DeAndre Johnson is not there yet. He needs kind of another couple more months of the Coach Feely workout. So I'm curious. I thought it would be a lot smoother transition from the SEC to the ACC, kind of as a football program coming from Tennessee to Miami. So, you know, that we need DeAndre Johnson to step up because the coaches did bank on him to make, you know, kind of fill in that hole that we're missing at defensive end. So. 
if Cam Williams steps up, great. But you know, I, I'm, I'm my eyes are going to be on that battle at defensive end with Cam Williams and DeAndre Johnson. What do you think of some guys like Chance Williams who you know can get some burn? Um, that's another name out there. Obviously, taking someone like Elijah Roberts um, and moving inside with Quentin Williams, Jonathan Ford, Nesta, Harrison Hunt. Like I think our interior and again yes, across the board, is- the line should be depth and solid. Yes, yeah, exactly. That I, you hit it right there, nail on the head. I think this is depth-wise. This is interior defensive tackles. This is probably the stronger group we've had in past years with the experience. You know, at defensive tackle, I think this is Nesta Silvera's last go around of college football, and I think that he was in the best shape that I've seen him conditioning-wise this past year. You know, Jonathan Ford as well. Physically, he's up there with the elite Power Five programs. Can he put it together? I'm. I got a big question mark about Jordan Miller. I think he's going to be a role player at best at ACC, Agreed. you know, Agreed. level play mm-hmm. a lot. You're, you got your Elijah Roberts, your Quentin Williams, who I think right now they're going to be role players for this upcoming season. I'm curious if they take that big step. I know, I think, I believe it was Quentin Williams against UAB. He made a huge tackle on a goal line stand. Could be wrong on the game, but yeah. you know, you see flashes of great play. Let's see if they take that big step. But yeah, no, I agree. Guys like Jared Harrison, Hunt, Nessa Silvera should be your starting defensive tackles. And this is the most solid, complete group we have depth wise in the interior we've had in quite a while at Miami. And I think it's going to be a nice, solid group overall as a defensive line unit under Coach Jess Simpson. It's not going to be a crazy top 10 D line that we saw in 2018 with mm-hmm. your, uh, you know, your Jared Willis, Joe Jackson's, um, Garvin's, but I think it's going to be a solid group. Yeah, I, I got to agree, man. I mean, you know, look, uh, Harvey, uh, physical freak of nature. I mean, from the from that kid's first day on campus, man. I mean, you look at him, and he, and he he looked like you know a guy in an NFL body <laughs> as a freshman when he walked in, and you don't usually see that, man. So that guy's been ready to go from the from the get go, and he, you know, he had uh, he had some he had some good flashes last year, um, you know, all the Williams, <laughs> all the above on the Williams. I think they're all you know slightly different. Uh, but I like, you know, I like all of them. Um, you know, Elijah Roberts, man. I mean, that guy made some. Uh, that guy made some some huge tackles. I think in the uh, the Oklahoma State game, man, he made a special play on teams. special teams. Yeah, and uh, was it a, maybe a forced fumble? I, I can't remember exactly what it was off the top of my head. But uh, you know, I, I, I you know he's another guy who I think is is going to he's primed and ready to uh, ready to break out. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, like you guys saying, depth, depth, depth. Uh, we got plenty of it. So you know it almost doesn't matter who starts because you got to be two and three deep uh, to be able to compete because guys are going to get hurt. Um, you know, you got, you got to be able to have depth out there to, to show up and, and. Going back to your point with DeAndre Johnson, I think, again, my, my eyes are going to be watching him as well, because you know what, we've been so fortunate over the last couple of years, been hitting the transfer portal. We're having guys come in and literally playing right away. Well, there's the Jalen Phillips who actually had to sit out a year because of transfer rules, things like that, the concussion protocol. But like Gregory, you know, like uh, uh, Quincy Roche came in and just literally plugged right in. You knew what you were getting from him. I'm, I'm not knocking the Tennessee program, but the Tennessee program isn't the Tennessee program that it has been, you know, in right. the, you know, in the 90s, early 2000s. Um, I did watch some of their games. I wasn't overly impressed with DeAndre Johnson. Um, but again, I think sometimes maybe a different scene, being able to go to a different uh, atmosphere, you know, maybe you clear your head a little bit. I think that he he has he has the tools. There, there's no doubt about it. He has the tools. He has the gifts. 
Um, and, and I think the key, the key factor in all this, and again, we've already said it, is somebody like Jess Simpson. Can Jess Simpson get the most out of these guys? And I truly believe that he can because he really knows what he's doing with working with these guys. Not knocking previous coaches, but you saw what we had when we had Jess Simpson a few years back and you saw what he did. Yeah. Had a little bit of like, you know, lack of performance after that. And now coming back, let's see what he can do. And Cohen Bird, you know, I hope the fan base kind of realizes, you know, we've been extremely spoiled that defensive line and, you know, having three defensive ends going to get drafted potentially in the top three rounds with Russo, Roche and Phillips. Like if the productivity is not there, like we've seen the past couple of seasons, like it's not the end of the world. Like it's very hard to, you know live up to those expectations and standards that's been in place at the defensive end position. So I just hope as fans, let's not get too overly crazy. If we don't have a defensive end this season that hits seven or eight sacks, for example, Correct. you know, Correct. so. Well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and we're up against the break already again. And um, we'll, uh, we'll be right back here on King gang radio show here on Sirius XM channel 145. Uh, give us a few minutes and uh, we'll be right back. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungo by Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Good morning, amigo. Hey, man, if, look, if they pick up Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo too, I'll, I'll be fine with him. But I'm just looking, I'm, I'm looking at the different angles. It does, you I don't call know. him that, I call him Tunga Vailoa, whatever you want to call him. Listen, I don't know if they're 100% sold on Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa is the next quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. How can you get that name so perfect? Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo? Tua? I can't do it. I'm done. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. Tua Nigga Manuel Apollo. Tunga Vailoa. That sounds much better that way. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We'll be back with Kane Gang on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I'm Andrew Saul, Commissioner of Social Security. I'm here to warn you about telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Some of these scammers may say threatening things like you will be arrested if you don't make payments or provide personal information. Do not fall for these tricks. These calls are not from us. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you for information or money. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Never give the caller your personal information, like your Social Security number or bank account, or send money in any form, cash, gift cards, wire transfers, or prepaid debit cards. Report the call to our law enforcement arm, the Office of the Inspector General at oig.ssa.gov. Share this information with your friends and family. Hola mi gente, ¿qué tal? Les saluda la diva contra la caballota, la reina y mi cuyo. Un saludo a mi gente de Slam Radio. And now we're back with Kane Gang 
on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We're back for our final segment here on this two-hour show of the King Yang Radio Show on Sirius XM Channel 145. Before we touch any more into the spring game, definitely got to give a, a very, very special birthday shout-out that was uh, this past week. None other than uh, our, our man, Larry, you know, the amigo, his daughter, um, Amanda, turned 19 this week. So happy birthday, Amanda. Hope you had a great one. Happy you know, birthday, you know, Amigo, you know, we try to do what we can do, you know, to uh, support everybody. So happy birthday to your daughter. Hope she had a great one. Hope you guys enjoyed the day. And uh, all right. So we're back. Um, my last take as far as what I'm looking for in the spring game is going to be special teams. Because obviously you lose the Lou Grozer Award winner in, in Jose Borgales. And I'm really anxious to see. And we've got to know um, – his younger brother, Andy Borealis, um, really, really well. And I think he's a, a phenomenal talent, young kid. Obviously, he's going to be a, a true freshman. I, I'm interested to see how he's going to live up to the pressure. And, again, there's no there's no guarantee that he starts. You know, you have someone like Camden Price that's there as well. You know, you do have Clay James as far as your snapper. You have Lou Henley coming back as your punter. So, at least that part's solidified. But, Paul, talk to me what you're thinking about as far as uh, the field goal kicker situation that we have going on right now. It's it's crazy you mentioned that, man. I was, you know, right when you said, you know, the pressure of, you know, hey, like, Lou Groh's award finalist, your brother, you know, who it instantly reminded me of was the uh, Guayo brothers down at Florida State. You know, Roberto yeah. Guayo, um, and that guy can kick it from, like, 65 yards. I mean, he was just on the money every time. But I think his younger brother, Ricky Aguayo, I mean, he was basically their Bubba Baxa. He was, he was awful. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, you know, I hopefully, you know, the younger Bordegales, I get their names confused all the time. Andy Bordegales, um, you yeah. know, it seems like he's doing a great job. Like I said, kicking, I think it's more of a mental thing. Yep. You just got to like, you know, hey, positive influence. Um, I think we've seen our ground zero with, you know, the past kicker I've mentioned, and I don't think it can get worse than that. But the good thing is we do have backup options like a Camden Price as well, who, you know, hey, I think he'll get the job done. You know, he won't kick, make 55 yard field goals and be like an NFL kicker, but I think he'll get the job done. So, Hey man, just positive reinforcement uh, with Andy. And I, I'm confident in his skill set. Obviously, you know, he comes from a great uh, lineage of kickers. So uh, man, I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, the main thing for me in special teams, uh, burden deco is punt returners. You know what, what that used to be a part of my, the University of Miami's football program, you know, was having that elite guy returning punts and setting up that that final drive offensively down at the Orange Bowl. You know, that that used to be our identity. And 100%. it's been 100%. lost under the Manny Diaz tenure, in my opinion. Now, Mark Rick was a little bit conservative, but, you know, we had flashes of K.J. Osborne. But who is going to step up at punt return? And that still hasn't been answered, you know, and I, I guess coach Packy is overseeing the special teams unit. So is he, is he pinpointed at him, but that needs to be answered. You know, we need to have a punt return game uh, for this upcoming season to open up our offense. So, you know, who's going to be returning punts. And I know during the springtime and during scrimmages, they've Mandy has stated they've had like three different units, three different punt returners uh, throughout the scrimmage. So I think they're still trying to figure out that answer and hopefully, you know, 
they can be elite at returning punts and they don't have to muff any punts as well because that's also been an issue at Miami. So that's what I'm going to be looking at. Well, I'll tell you, Malik Curtis gives me Devin Hester vibes. Doesn't mean I think he's going to be <laughs> Devin Hester, but if you look at that kid's high school film, man, I mean, he is he is elite. And, I mean, his top-end speed is – there's no way – if he's able to get in the open field, nobody's catching that guy. I don't care who they are, man. So, you know, um, but Brashard Smith's another, another guy. I think Brashard Smith's probably maybe going to be a better punt returner than a kick returner, right? But, um, you know. I mean, you got X to return punts as well. You know, Restrepo. Um, as long as it's not Pope, man. I've watched Pope muff too many of them back there, man. I'm, I'm all. <laughs> hey, look, Mark. I'm all good with you being a star wide receiver and everything, but just I, I can't. I can't watch him. I can't watch him take punts, man. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think- well, it, it, it's great that you mentioned the punt returners because I that's something I wanted to touch on. You know, if you look back through the history of the University of Miami, you know they've had solid phenomenal kick returners you know like when i started watching it it was like kevin williams and he was just he was great you know and then you transcend you get the santanas you get the roscoe's you get the philip buchanan's you know like you get the travis benjamins like you know you just get guys lamar millers you know you get guys like that and you really haven't seen too much you know dj dallas and travis homer both played special teams DJ yeah. did very well as far as on punt returns. Um, he wasn't great, but listen, I think that's probably DJ is our last maybe punt return for a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and you're yeah. talking maybe three years, you know, so I think you're right. It needs somebody in order to flip the field. You got to be able to catch a punt down on the 10, break it for 40, 50 yards, even if you, you know, even if you don't house it. But it does change momentum and it does change field position, right? You give your offense a short field from time to time. That's very, very key. And, Bird, you know, again, I think Malik Curtis has has the goods to be a great returner, just like Brashard Smith. But I don't think you can compare anybody Devin. to Devin Hester. I said, I said <laughs> Devin Hester vibes. vibes. I, just, I just don't even think you can use that in the same sentence. But, but, I feel you. But, I feel you. But, but no one thought that you would say that about Deion Sanders either. And then Devin came by and just kind of took that role. Cause prime time, as much as I hate him because you know, he's a seminal, like what he did returning kicks and stuff like that was, it was fun to watch. Like he was, yeah. he was a fun guy to watch return. Like, you know, Billy white shoes, Johnson, all those kick returners, you know, even Steve Largent, like you even look at some of the other guys, you know, like those are fun guys. I think it takes a special type of attitude and a special type of person to again, first of all, you got to be fearless. And that's where I think X is a kind of a good talking point when you talk about like special teams. X has no fear. Like you watched him last year in the rain. He's trying to scoop balls up. And I'm like, bro, leave the ball alone. Like, don't go <laughs> here. Like, what are you doing? You know, but if you have you have to have that sense of no fear. I'm gonna grab it, I'm gonna house it. So I like that type of mentality. I think X is gonna be a, a very good punt returner i know tyreek stevenson's back there returning yeah. some punts as well so it, it definitely should be interesting to see what happens with special teams and, and paul you're right i don't know what packy's role is i know he's the special teams coach but what is he really coaching you know like i, I mean listen i guess you get props because you you were the special team coach for the luke grozer award winner and then the you know the kind of runner-up for the ray guy award winner and, and lou henley so I mean, again, somebody like Louis Henley, who averaged, I think, 48 yards a kick last year, 
Like that was like, when's the last time we've had that? And how do you right. not win? Like you, you set the NCAA mark for net average and you don't even win the award. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the Ray Guy award. But I'm actually excited to see, again, I was, I was excited to see Lou Henley decide to come back. Clay James and things like that. And no one ever gives the long snapper any prop. Right? So we're giving long snappers prop here on the Kang Gang Show because oh, Clay okay. James. And then there's another guy. His name is Napper the Snapper. Napper the uh, Snapper, yeah. Napper the Snapper. Um, I don't remember his first name, but his last name is Napper. So mad, mad props and shout out to Napper the Snapper and Clay James for making sure that the ball gets where it needs to get. Yeah. Snapper is probably the most underappreciated position on any team, man. I mean, people say it's the kicker or the punter, but everybody knows who those guys are. Nobody generally knows who the snapper is, but they're so important. John, I'm going to say one name. Yeah. John Denny, bro, from the Miami Dolphins. Bro, like I think he had like 15 years just snapping the ball, like getting paid. Dude, is there not a is there not a better job, man? I mean, you know, you go in, you become a good snapper, you pay, you know, you don't really brisk injury too much, man. They yeah. don't even line up over you anymore. Like you don't no, do anything. Don't <laughs> do anything. <laughs> I start Grayson right now, like learning how to snap a football, bro. <laughs> bro I'm telling you, I'm, you, you need to, man, for sure. Oh my word! So oh, I mean, that's that's a lot of stuff that we're looking for in the spring, and then obviously, you know, again, whatever happens, I'm looking at look going to the spring game, have a good time. I, I still think it's going to be a vanilla type offense. I don't really think they open it up. Right. I think it's just going to be kind of basic. There's a lot of people who aren't even going to be for the spring game the list came out you know the bubble bowlings and all these guys are, are out um so again avoid injury um you know have fun and then again really it doesn't start to the fall you know again it was released at the romellos and the leonard taylors and all them they have their moving dates so you got more guys coming in for the fall i, I get excited for the spring game only because once it's over i know the next set is literally prepping for a month away for from your first game. You know, it's literally fall ball and let's get ready to play Alabama. You know, so, Paul, I want to touch on one thing with you, too, is what is your legitimate take going against Alabama? Legitimate take, man. Um, like I said, personnel-wise, it's we don't have the, the, pers- the right personnel right now to match up all four quarters against Alabama. Okay, we don't. I'll be honest. But at the same time, if we play a good game, there's always a shot. That's why you play the football game. I'll tell you what, though. We went into Death Valley against Clemson, which, in my opinion, is at the same skill set, you know, program-wise, modern day, as the Alabama Crimson side. We gave up 130 yards in penalties in Death Valley. We were never in that football game. We were playing catch-up the entire game. You can, you have to win the penalties battle, per se. You cannot give up more penalties than Alabama. You have to win the turnover battle. Miami has to play a perfect football game to beat the Alabama Crimson side. Yes, this is the perfect opportunity to play the Alabama Crimson side. The only thing is, their coaching staff, Bill O'Brien, former NFL head coach, Doug Marone, former NFL head coach with the Jaguars. Offensive, he's covering the offensive line. Bryce Young, yeah, he's an underclassman uh, freshman, but guess what? That's the best damn underclassman freshman I've seen come out of high school since Trevor Lawrence, in my opinion, because that guy is elite at every single factor of the game. I've never seen a quarterback that advanced coming out of high school, taking a year in college football, having that high of a pocket presence, football IQ, having such a strong arm, great mobile ability. He has it all. He has the it factor. I'll put him down, in my opinion, as a player to look out for 
for the Heisman Trophy in the next two years. I love everything about Bryce Young. So you know what? Yeah, all these guys are new. They don't have much experience, but they're used to the bright lights as well. If Miami gets caught up in the bright lights and playing in that big stadium, new stadium in Atlanta, and they're eyes are wandering around like oh this is so cool let's take selfies <laughs> and social media oh Watch man look it's nick Saban. yeah exactly like they did in charlotte north carolina for, i mean they the first couple drives they were like just looking their heads i don't know if i can curse sorry but i have to control my mouth but <laughs> oh, man you know if you gotta be focused in the game and there's a quote from a movie i stated in my last show that i had on why did the new york yankees always win Okay, it's not because they have Mickey Mantle. It's because the other team can't keep their eyes off the pinstripes. Stick yeah. to what you know. Focus on your game plan, and you will succeed. But you have to play the perfect football game. And so, hey, anything could happen. But just know this is a very experienced, very well-coached Alabama football team, and they will stomp on your throat by yeah. all means. Dude, I want to cry after that, man. But that was awesome. <laughs> so, you know, and, and that's what I love. I, just, I love the passion, and that's what we like yeah. to bring here. And, and you touched on some great points. You talked about, like, former NFL head coaches. Nick Saban is not an idiot. As much as we hate <laughs> Saban for what he does, but he, he has that train rolling for a reason, yeah. right? He's, he's the modern-day University of Miami, and we talked about this with Melvin Bratton. If you look at Miami in 83 when they won the national title, they ended up playing again in 86 for a title, which they lost. They won it in 87, had a bad game against Notre Dame in 88, or they probably win in 88. They win it in 89. 1990, you got shell-shocked by BYU the first game of the season, or you probably win in 90. You win in 91. You lost in 92, right? And then the wheels fell off, which you felt grand scandals and all the other stuff, so you had some down years. But – what Alabama is doing is what Miami did in the early 80s and, in, 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 you know, late early 90s as well. But Alabama did that prior to with like the old Bear Bryant days and things like that. So, like, if you look at the nucleus of what Nick Saban is bringing to the table, it's nothing new to him. He knows what he's doing. And you're right. Miami goes in there just like the ACC title game, just like they went up to, you know, Clemson last year. You know, they get shell shocked from the beginning. I don't care if you lose this game. It doesn't hurt you yeah. as far as the ACC let it be competitive because you know what? I'm tired of being embarrassed. And that's the problem with the University of Miami. When they get beat, they get embarrassed. I don't yep. want to be embarrassed anymore. Man, and Melvin Bratton put this – he literally said the same thing. It's an attitude thing. You have to go in there with that mindset. Look, man, I'm leaving it all on the field. I'm not taking it off because, you know, we were talking about the North Carolina game. And he's like, man, I'm pissed. I'm watching these guys sitting there. You know, he's like, when we were on offense – the defense is watching us. They're not sitting back in a huddle. They're not sitting doing anything back there. They're out on the field watching us. And when the defense was out on the field, the offense was out on the sideline watching the defense, letting them know, hey, I'm your brother. I'm here. I'm standing up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support you guys. You know, and I think that's the mentality that the University of Miami has to get back to. Hold yourself accountable. Players need to hold their, their, their brothers accountable. And if they're not doing their job, punch them in the mouth. And say, look, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know, until they right the wrong among themselves, nothing's going to change. Because the coaches can only coach a certain amount, right? Coaches can only teach you a certain amount. It's up to the players to really have that mentality. And, you know, and they got to have the – I've said it before. They have to have that want to. you got to want to go out there. you want to got to go out there and want to compete. And you got to go out there and want to win. And if you don't, take the helmet off, turn it in, go hit the portal and go somewhere else. And get exactly. the players that want to be at the University of Miami. Yep. And you know what, Cohen Bird, I, I think a lot of players come into the program and, you know, they, they kind of want to live off of that 
past legacy at the University of Miami. You, they want to wear 47. They want to wear 26. I wear this number because of Michael Irvin, uh, Sean Taylor. You got to write your own legacy at the University of Miami. You will never replicate and repeat what guys like Alonzo Highsmith, Melvin Braddon, Brian McKinney, what they started at the University of Miami. That was their legacy that they wrote at the University of Miami. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes, they wrote that legacy, that history, the legacy they left on the program. They wrote it themselves. You didn't do that, and you will never replicate that. But what you will leave at the University of Miami is your last name, the the number on your jersey, and your legacy here at Miami. So this is a new era at Miami, and until players start realizing that, that this is their own identity, not the 86 gang, this is modern-day University of Miami football. Okay, how are you going to leave it? And ultimately, I think it's it's a mentality, and I think we have to start recruiting players who – you know, take away the, the star system and just go for dogs who love the game yeah. of football and are passionate. Because I rather have a, an entire football team with under rate under the radar recruits, three star recruits that, that just love football. Like you see with Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, OK, that just love the game of football and will break their back on the field to, uh, for a final drive, final play just to win that football game. You're, if you have a team full of Jimmy Murphys, Xavier Restrepo's, um, KJ Osborne's, DJ Dallas's who love football, man, you will be successful here at the University of Miami. I can guarantee you that. Well, listen, man, I, those are, I'm going to leave it just like that. I'm cutting it off right there. That was phenomenal. Paul, man, thank you for joining the show tonight. We're going to, we're, we're, we're signing out, man. We've, we've done our two hours. We've done our due diligence. We paid our bills. So thank you guys for joining the Kane Gang Radio Show here on Sirius XM Channel 145. For Paul, scoop on you for the Dirty Bird. This is your boy, DC. We'll catch you guys next week. The views and opinions expressed on Kane Gang are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.